Why these niggas wanna test my patience? Like ain't ace to act you places If it act for the aggravation Relax on the conversation I ain't asked for no favors Did this how I'm supposed to Had to learn the growth of what I'm going through Robbing houses trying to live comfortable Pain cut deep like surgical drugs for the head Welcome to My Name is Daryl episode 8 I know it's been quite the break once again And I apologize but I'm back to it Look this quarantine had me messed up Working from home Really made me feel claustrophobic. Sitting in the office all day, so this is the last thing I wanted to do. But I'm going to get back on track here um, every week, Saturday, like I said, moving forward. Uh, But honestly, it feels good to be back on the mic again and talking to you guys. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for holding on while I, you know, failed at putting out content. But a lot has been happening in between then and now because, you know, it's been a while. So let's get to a few things. First of all, COVID-19 is still going on. The pandemic is still going on. Coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. Anyone who has lost family members, honestly, my thoughts, prayers, all of that goes out to you. I know it's got to be rough. I have not fortunately lost anyone. Fortunately, I have not lost anyone to this virus, but I do know of people who have, and I honestly cannot even probably fathom how you feel right about now. Um, But do know that this is going to go away. This will get better. And we will all go back to somewhat of a normal society sooner than later. Um, Of course, anyone who has lost a job due to this, once again, I was I'm fortunate enough to have a job that is, you know, essential and also is willing to you know, keep us working, keep paying us. So I, of course, am appreciative of that. But to anyone who is not and you are, you know, struggling, once again, I I honestly have been there. I've been on the bottom. I've been to where you feel like you have nothing left. You feel like, honestly, you have no other options. But I promise you, you will get through it. If you need anyone to talk to, I'm always here. You can email me at his name was Daryl. I always leave in the comment, in the the about, and the uh, info on the episode. You guys know that. But with all that being said, let's get straight to it. Um, the first thing I want to talk about today, and it really, uh, it, it's really been weighing heavy on me, and I don't really know why. Maybe it's just the few things been going on. But um, have you guys? Has anyone seen the movie? Uh, <clears throat> the movie "Sorry to Bother You" by uh, Boots Riley, featuring Lakeith Stanfield. Um, it is probably one of the oddest movies on surface level. It is full of just everything imaginable honestly like including horse people but that movie it it has this funny segment in it the movie kind of you know repeats back to of uh of of lakeith or cash is his name in the movie using his white voice and that that really you know that was it's a really interesting moment in the movie because you know he starts talking like normal and he's like man I'm not getting anybody to bite and uh uh Danny Glover the actor Danny Glover his his character he says you know you got to use your white voice and then he proceeds to you know talk with what is perceived as a uh, white voice I forget the voice actor but basically you know they go back and forth and they start he starts using his white voice and he goes to the top of the company but that feeds right into what I wanted to talk about today which is code switching now Code switching, for anyone who is not familiar, um, for for a modern-day term, 
is when you change your vernacular, your language, your speech pattern to, and this is prevalent in the black community, to uh, a different speech pattern. You talk a little bit different. And for black people, code switching has been an integral part of our lives in America. Um, one of the things that code switching does for us is will help us survive. So by code switching, I mean, you know, some black people will talk a little bit higher up and try to make themselves sound a little bit more white as you would see it or whatever they may see as white or maybe even a little more literate instead of using what they may have grown up with, which would be their African-American, uh, <clears throat> their African-American vernacular or uh, speech patterns that they just grow up with. And it's not really, honestly, it's not about being having a black sounding voice. It's about where you grow up because a lot of black people in America sound Southern because they have Southern roots, their grandmother, Southern things like that. But the idea of code switching is not problematic in practice, in, in, in nature of it, right? Using your voice to make sure that you are, you know, using your white voice so that you do not um, become or be seen as uh, problematic to white Americans doesn't seem like much of an issue overall. But when you dig into it, code switching, using your white voice, whatever you want to call it, is honestly, probably, in my opinion, one of the most problematic things as a black man in America or as a black person in America. See, I choose to talk this way 90% of the time. This is just how I talk. I use my voice. I speak the way I want to speak. I use slang because, quite honestly, I'm going to tell you a secret. Ameri not American. Um, English is just a language based on classism. So the fact that dumb and stupid and idiot all have different levels of class to them is dumb to me. When I went to college and I learned more about the English language and I figured out that in reality, this language is filled with a bunch of words that seem the, that mean the same thing that at one point were really just to show how smart or more upper class you were, how more intelligent you were, how more, um, <clears throat> excuse me, how much more wealth you had attained. When I learned that that is more what words in English had to do than the actual fact that they were words that had meaning, it pissed me off and I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm saying, yo, I'm saying whatever I want to say. But I, I say this to say, as an African-American, as a black person in America, you may never notice when you code switch. So you may go to work and you may not know that you are actually talking a little bit more so that you are shrinking your blackness. You are shrinking yourself in a way. So that you come off as less intimidating, less, you know, different, less black in reality. And that's where the problem lies. At one point, of course, it was used to, you know, ensure our survival, ensure that we were we were avoiding the grips of 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 Jim Crow in the South to ensure that we were able to attain wealth for ourselves by some means or any form of of monetary value assigned to us. So we would act and, and speak differently around white Americans so that we were seen as intelligent instead of the fact that, hey, everyone speaks differently and this language that I now speak is not native to my tongue. So I will say things differently. But 
we now do that, and honestly, it's not necessary. The idea that you need to put on your white voice, the idea that you need to put on your, your, you need to switch your code to gain white approval, avoid white gaze, I've learned that term as of lately, is, is, is problematic. I mean, look at Lakeith Stanfield, right? Um, if anyone doesn't know who Lakeith Stanfield is, he is an actor, a very good actor in my opinion. Um, he is in the movie, uh, Sorry to Bother You. He's also um, in, oh, I cannot remember that movie that he just was in not too long ago uh, with Issa Rae, but he is a very good actor, and he's actually a really interesting person uh, overall, but he refuses to... He, he refuses to let go of who he is as a black man. And that movie, by the way, that he was just in, is called The Photograph. Um, but he refuses to let go of who he is as a black man. So at all times, Lakeith is who he is, which once again, only in America is your, um, your personality tied to your race, right? But that's the reality, because it's America. But he never lets go of the fact that he's a black man. He speaks the way he will speak, he will talk on issues the way he wants to talk on issues and about the issues he wants to speak about. And he never belittles himself. He never shrinks himself to make the room feel larger and more comfortable for the white Americans around him, for the majority. And it it comes off as problematic for people. I have seen plenty of people online say that you know, Lakeith Stanfield is a racist, or Lakeith Stanfield is just a crappy actor who likes to get attention. But the reality is, when I ask them, well, why do you say that? They never have an actual answer. Their answer always is about something that either is A, actually not even true at all, or they just flat out say, well, I just don't like him. But if I, but, or they'll bring up something that he says that is, well, plain and simple, just him being a black man in America. And I always find that funny because. It seems as if you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, because if he was to shrink himself, make himself seem less intimidating, which the idea that blackness is intimidating has always been interesting to me in the American eyes, but if he was to do that, he would be foregoing what he should not have to do, what our ancestors, what our grandmothers, grandfathers, great-grandmothers, great-grandfathers did for their survival. But in 2020, you should no longer have to do that. But he does, he, and, he, and he doesn't. And it's beautiful, it's an amazing thing, but it is seen as problematic by the majority. And that's where, once again, the idea of, of code switching is, is just, it's, it's problematic in, in, in its actual use in modern day, and it's, it's pretty much useless. I mean, look, in 2020, even if I, as a black man, speak to you as a um, with a proper accent as you see fit or a proper voice as you see fit, I'm still liable to be seen as a black man because black is intimidating. So the fact that I'm foregoing, I'm giving up that part of me doesn't do anything because you still may see me. You still may see what I am, what I do, the way I talk, the way I walk, the way I breathe as, as intimidating and scary. It's not necessary to shrink your blackness to make more room in, and make more space for the majority. There is no need 
for survival when when you use it for survival you are killed unjustly and if it was such a proper and useful tool we wouldn't be using it in 2020 so there lies the actual issue so instead of using your your white voice and 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 lowering and shrinking what makes you you instead just speak with the voice the the accent the sound whatever you want to call it that you naturally speak with and once again only in america is your personality tied to your race only in the western world is your personality tied to your race the idea that you as a black man have to like big fo- football and especially basketball and maybe you played uh maybe you ran track in high school or you definitely were in some type of sport based off the fact that you are black is truly pathetic and once again your code switching doesn't solve that see because I talk the way I talk. I use my voice the way I use my voice. And I don't come off as ignorant. And once again, the way you talk does not mean you are ignorant. It just is the way you are raised. But even as I speak, and if I were to speak as a as as fluently and as as proper as the majority would want me to, at the end of the day, I still have the skin. That makes me akin to ignorance. So it doesn't solve the actual problem. All it does is bury your soul, bury you in the sand. And that is where the issue is. There's a quote by W.E.B. Du Bois, um, or I hope I did pronounce his last name correctly. Um, And he says, one ever feels his Tunis, an American, a Negro. Two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, two warring ideals in one dark body whose dogged strength alone keeps it from being torn asunder. He's speaking to the duality that 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 takes place when you live and breathe the black experience. And once again, the black experience is not one shared experience. It is just my black experience in America. And it's interesting to me that that it, it's so true. Because even though, even though, <clears throat> excuse me, even though the fact that W.E.B. was, was, uh, quoted saying that in in the in the middle of the 1900s which obviously isn't far along far away but and it still remains true today is interesting and honestly more damning about how far we are from the reality of of being one right in America of being one to one total being of American instead of African American and white and Asian American and Hispanic and all of that, right? But it speaks more to the fact, like I said, that code switching doesn't even work. Code switching isn't even necessary. It isn't even useful to you as an African American, as a black person, even as a Asian American, as a as a La- as a Latino, 
it's not useful for you because your skin is still tied to your personality. And your personality may be of that that is very model minority-esque, right? The term model minority. But still, you will be seen as what you will be seen as only in America. And there, there's the issue. But to me, I have a solution. I have what I consider somewhat of a solution. And it isn't a solution that I know will happen. And I honestly hope that it does not happen because it has ramifications. But if you look at Germany, for example, Germany has a shared shame. Germans are all ashamed by majority of what happened during the Holocaust. They repeatedly remind themselves what occurred and that they do not want that to happen again. You have New Zealand, a shared shame among the population of what was done, what was done to and what became of the majority of the Aboriginal people in New Zealand. And those countries tend to take stand stand tend to stick together as a whole. Now, they, of course, have their issues, but in America, we will turn against each other and then turn against someone else and then turn right back against each other. That doesn't occur in places that have a shared shame. Now, America does have a shared shame, which is the more interesting part. We have slavery, something we should all be very ashamed of and very much striving to never have occur again. We have Jim Crow, which we should all be striving to never have happen again. We have institutionalized racism, which we all should be striving to never have happen again. But the issue with America is that the shared shames that we have have only affected a minority of the majority. And therein lies the issue. So, I was told in middle school that by the year of 2020, everyone's going to look similar and Everyone's going to look alike and everyone's going to be American and all these crazy stuff. And it seems like every time they say everyone's going to be, you know, beige, the beige phase, as you may call it. Um, everyone's going to be, you know, uh, mixed and, um, you know, uh, multiracial by the year 2030 or 2040 or 2050. It seems like it goes up every year. But it isn't true because it's 2020 and I'm still seen as black before I'm seen as American. But I'm only seen as American before I'm seen as black when it benefits the majority that want to see me as American so I can co-sign their, you know, their movements. But if America could have a shared shame, if we could all find a way, and it wouldn't be able to be something like slavery because we have made the conscientious choice not to actually condemn slavery, but to teach and more of massage the ego of America instead of condemning the ego of America for slavery. Instead of looking in the history books and saying this is what happened objectively and that it was never supposed to happen and it was wrong, we instead say here's what happened and here's the benefits. Every black child in America who had a white teacher that read that history book knows the moment I'm going to speak of. When the teacher looks up at you and looks around the classroom and looks back at you and then their eyes dart to their book and they proceed to say what I've never understood why they say, nigger or negro 
because they're reading it from a history book and they want you to understand it. But maybe it's my brain overanalyzing and over, over, oversaturating and, and maybe even to some, some degree romanticizing the, the, the moment of when that happened when I was in elementary school. But I remember that moment, and now when I think back on it, it seems as if it was less about the fact that slavery was wrong and the teacher knew they shouldn't have said it, and more about the fact of the teacher wanted me to know that they say that. And there was nothing I could do about it because in that room, in that moment, I was powerless. I had no control over what was going to occur. And it seemed so useless. Because they did nothing. They didn't teach me about how horrible slavery was. They didn't teach me about how wrong slavery was. They taught me about how much slavery was in the fabric of America and how everywhere I turned, it was there. And that my genes were only and were always going to be a fruit from the tree of that exact trauma. And that's why we can't use that as our shared shame. So instead, we have to look forward. Where can we look forward to find a shared shame to where all Americans can can agree that we never want to do that again? And what first needs to happen is that we need to love each other, and then we can worry about everything else. I don't know what will happen. I don't want to even, you know, remotely even imagine what may happen or may what or what may occur. But I will say this: until that day that we all have a shared shame. Code switching will exist. Your personality will be trumped by your skin in this country. And more importantly, you're going to be American second and African or black first. Maybe that's me overanalyzing. Maybe that's me being an angry black man. But I don't think it's that. I think it's that it's a reality that it's a fact, that it is a true, undeniable, uncomfortable truth that we all face and we all live in and breathe in every single day. And I can, I can live with that, I guess. I can live with the fact that I have no control over what I'm seen as. I mean... You can get all the money in the world. You're still black first, rich second. And to be quite honest, I didn't even mean to talk about this as much as I did. I just had a simple topic I, I wrote down and, you know, maybe I went too long or whatever it may be, but that's that's how I feel about that. Code switching is useless. And it'll always be useless. And you should never shrink yourself or shrink your blackness to fit in a room or make that room feel bigger. Breathe and be exactly who you were born to be. And breathe the exact same air 
and speak with the exact same cadence that you always speak with. Because that is what you were meant to do. You were never meant to shrink yourself. You never meant to, to, to become someone else and change the way you are and manipulate who you are just so you could gain some type of acceptance that in reality is faux acceptance. Now, that got way too deep, way deeper than it needed to be. So, let's go ahead and take a break. I've got a really good song here. Um, it is called Pride's Revenge by Pride the Mastermind. It is a little bit of an older song. He did drop a recent project called In the Mind Of, and I have actually listened to it and I do like it. Um, it's on SoundCloud. I will drop a link to his SoundCloud at the end of the um, in the description of the episode. But right now, here you go. Proud's Revenge by Proud the Mastermind. Why these niggas wanna test my patience? Like, hey, ace to act, you place a sip act for the aggravation. Relax on the conversation. I ain't asked for no favors, did this how I'm supposed to. Had to learn the growth of what I'm going through. Robbing houses trying to live comfortable. Pain cut deep like surgical. Drugs for the healing. Pray to the Lord for forgiveness. Hope be willing to face consequences for a life of sinning. Hard work, nigga, at least to stay committed. Ain't got time to be babysitting. Nah. Either you is or you isn't. I knew young that I was gifted. Huh? I talk to my demons and daily don't play me. I hell's where you went in. Yeah. I talk to my demons and Been daily. through these streets or in my vagina. Don't fuck with them niggas, so don't ask about them. Shit, I'm fine like wine while they press the powder. I was pressed for time, man of the hour. Huh? Life gave me lemons, got to smoke a sour. Riding solo, smoking dope with an open bottle. Ain't no looking back like there's no tomorrow. As my life flashed through my eyes, I hear the words from the wise. They predicted the fall from my demise. I prayed yeah. to the Lord, hoping God, cause my soul was denied. Man in the mirror, I don't recognize. I don't live yeah. by the horoscope signs. Where the Tito on the line, yeah. right around, never wrong yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Looking at my watch, told me it was mine. Yeah. Niggas got full spoon fed yeah. off of lies and stay yeah. hungry, nigga. Y'all only tough when you off the liquor. Wow. Had to pay the price, but my cost is bigger. Cough until I cough and dig it. Forever live long, I live on in memory. Nightmare, nigga, word to Freddy. For them Jacksons, brain scattered, throwing confetti. Boom. Couldn't carry my woes, those are heavy. Uh. Niggas licking shit, watch me break the levee. Ah. No competition, they afraid of us. Wow. Martinsville, bitch, know the name is up. Gang. You ain't gang, nigga, cause the gang is us. Wow. Had to cut ties, we got tangled up. Put the rope round their neck, tell them hang it up. Sell it like a hundred, ain't no changing up. I'm dangerous, get smoked like angel dust. Fuck the game till a nigga bust, and that's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. That was Pride's Revenge by Pride the Mastermind. Um, and, uh, I mean, once again, I only play music that I like. And I really like that song. So, I'll go ahead, like I said, drop his info in the description. Once again, as normal, as usual. And uh, let's get straight back into it. 
This quarantine has brought us a lot of interesting things. It has brought us a ton of conspiracy theories, which are entertaining in their own right. It has brought us old people trying to swallow bleach and sanitizer. And yes, that's real. It has brought us Tory Lanes on YouTube and Instagram. Now, Tory Lanes is a rapper. Tory Lanes is a rapper, singer, musician. He's an entertainer. And uh, he has done something very interesting during this whole quarantine thing. He was one of the uh, people that started doing the quarantine radio. Where, you know, he would have girls go on there, dance. He would just entertain. He was doing all kinds of stuff. Got to the point even where it started out with like 2,000 people. Then it was 10,000. Then it was 100,000. Then it was 300,000. And then Instagram shut him down because he was going too wild. Then he made another Instagram account to try to stream from there. And then he stopped. And he dropped an album during all of this. The New Toronto 3, one of his uh, long-going projects. And I loved it. But more interestingly is, uh, more interestingly about this whole situation, is after he stopped the Instagram thing, he made a deal with YouTube. Tory Lanez made a deal with YouTube to do something that we had not yet seen, uh... YouTube hand out a deal for and it was under under the understanding that it was going to be quarantine radio he had gotten paid I don't know the amount of money but some amount of money by YouTube to do quarantine radio or what turned out to be a live online tour a two-hour online live tour and boy did he deliver for two hours and I watched it I watched it after the fact but I did watch it for two hours, Tory Lanez entertained music, personality, everything. And that's very important because he's one of the few people that have found and figured out, actually, that during this quarantine, it does not mean you get to be lazy. No, 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 no. If you are an artist and you are being lazy or you are creative and you are being lazy during this quarantine, you are messing up. The key to this quarantine is to put everything you have forward and go and never stop. Because if you keep going during this quarantine, and Tory Lanez is already a pretty large artist, and he is still, but if you put your foot to the gas pedal and you don't let up, the growth that you gain See, those 300,000 people that were watching him on on Instagram also translated to about 80,000 plus in his first week of album sales, which is about what he normally does, but it was, it was, it was still a very short turnaround. But then also, that lines up with those 300,000 people that were on Instagram. Now, let's say 220,000 of them don't all listen to your music, but they were there because you were entertaining them. Because no one has anything to do during the quarantine. Well, if you look at his YouTube live 
um, tour, there's like 1.1 million views and there was like 500,000 when he was doing it. And that is where it the, the key is. Tory Lanez has now found a lane to where he can get his growth as not only a rapper, singer, entertainer, rapper, singer, songwriter, but also as an entertainer. See, because the only way you can maintain your growth and your millions of dollars is by multiple income streams. And he's doing exactly that. And the only question is, how in the world is he doing it? And the answer to that is, he's committed. Tory Lanez is now an independent rapper, an independent artist, and he no longer has a label that's going to back him up. So he's betting on himself. But not only is he betting on himself, he's doing everything that he knows he's good at doing. And the fact that he's doing everything he knows that he's good at doing and succeeding in it isn't surprising. I mean, if you knew that you could hit a baseball out of the park, why in the world would you not swing? Might you miss? Yeah. Might you not hit a home run? Yeah. But you're going to swing if I throw the ball and it lands right in front of you and it goes right in front of you. You're going to swing it. And Torrey right now is swinging for the fences because he knows that the only way up is up and the only way down is to stop. I'm not going to lose fans. I'm not going to lose more leverage in, in these deals that I'm now forging forward on if I go forward and keep trying. So while most artists are sitting back and not releasing music or releasing halfway music or half-hearted music, he is full-blown, now translated himself, turned himself into an entertainer. He now has done what I've never heard of YouTube doing, which is giving a rapper, singer, songwriter a deal to basically do whatever they thought they wanted to do. Which he turned into, hey, I'm going to do this two-hour-long concert of me on a stage with a backdrop, some visuals, a, a guitarist, and a pianist, and we're going to get this thing going, and I'm going to make it rock for two hours. And he did exactly that. Now, of course, there are videos on YouTube with, you know, 5 million, 10 million, 100 million, a billion views. But for someone to bet on themselves and move forward in that way is, is honestly astounding to me. It's been very interesting because I see so many other artists that I think you could do exactly that. And you do see some entertainers doing that too. I mean, you have the basketball players playing their video games of, you know, NBA live. I mean, NBA live 2k. <laughs> they play 2k and they're playing as their team. And you have them doing that to entertain and keep everyone, you know, more, more into what they are doing. But you can tell that they're not doing it because they, they, they're trying to grow a brand. They're just trying to stay relevant. The key here is not to stay relevant. The key is to grow your brand. Because once this quarantine is over, if you've seen Tori in concert on YouTube, you know you want to see him live because now you know what you're going to get. And if you could put together two hours, I mean, that's an excruciating set. A two-hour set, that is insane. I mean, I, I want to go to your concert then. If you can put together two hours of, of good, actual content 
of you singing, you you just being an entertainer. I mean, come on, man. I, I, I'll definitely go to that concert. And that's exactly what he's done. But most of the entertainers, most of the celebrities are not doing that. They're instead sitting back and just waiting. But that's the exact opposite of what they should be doing. They all should be working on a new way to gain fans, to gain followers, to gain revenue. Because nothing's off limits here. You can't do what you normally do. And even if you're normally active on Instagram, you can still do many things. Even if you're already active on Twitter, you can still do a million things. You can still take a risk. Because right now, risk is the only thing you have. So instead of just sitting on your hands and saying, screw it, you know, I don't know what's going on, why not take that shot? And that's exactly what I'm doing. I mean, I'm as I'm doing this whole situation of, of working on the podcast now, I've been working on two other actual projects that I'm going to be putting forward, going out and doing, you know, going forward. And that's exactly what this quarantine is meant for. Instead of using the quarantine to feel bad, if you have the means to, if you have the means to is the key, work on something that you can't lose at. Because honestly, either way you can't lose, even if there wasn't a quarantine. But during this quarantine, you definitely can't lose. Because everyone is losing already, so the only thing you can do is just, what, even the score? Use this quarantine to grow your fan base, to make growth in other areas, and diversify your income. That's what I'm trying to do. I mean, that's why I got a brand new desk. I got a very nice L-shaped desk. Let me tell y'all, the desk I had was cramped. It was a tiny desk. And during this, I had to work from home, so I had to put all my work stuff, my lap, my work laptop, all that. I said, nah, I'm done with that. I'm going to get a new desk. I got my desk, and man, I love it. It is amazing. It has everything I need on it. It is just awesome. I got myself a new keyboard. I got an Apex 5 SteelSeries keyboard. If you guys are into keyboards, any of you, I'm telling you, this keyboard it is a mechanical hybrid keyboard, but it feels like a mechanical keyboard. And also, it has probably the coolest little LCD screen. I'm, I'm, I am a, I am a sucker for gimmicks. And it's got this cool, and it, honestly, it's gimmicky, cool little gimmicky LCD screen. Woo! I love it. It's, I, I put the, the, I put the podcast logo on there. It, it's the craziest, coolest thing ever. And, of course, it's got the Go Fast uh, RGB lights. And I even bought myself a new chair. And I did all that to, to boost my actual attitude, my actual morale, and to boost my productivity. Now, obviously, I've gotten to the podcast, so it's worked to some degree. But what I've learned during this, this quarantine is that you can't lose, man. There's no way to lose because everyone else is already doing nothing. So if you take a risk and you jump out and you aren't just doing absolutely craziness, but you're doing something that you actually are already into, something that you already wanted to try, you're not going to lose because you can't lose when everyone else is already losing. You're just going to even the playing field maybe. So take that jump. Use this quarantine if you have the ability, once again, if you have the ability to jump out 
and try something. Because if you're already sitting at home, if it's something you can do from home, come up with that plan and jump on it. Go out and reach for it. What What's the worst that could happen? I'm not going to say you're going to get a YouTube deal. I don't know. But if you do, you know, call me up. Let me know. Uh, <laughs> but no matter what, you can't lose during this. There's enough losing already. I mean, we're losing people. We're losing money. We're losing time. So instead of losing all of those things and doing nothing about it, get up, jump out your seat, and go do something. Go try to win because you can't lose. Not during this. But look, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. That's pretty much all I have to say for the rest for this uh, episode here. But before I do go, guys, once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to my rants. Thank you for listening to me honestly go through therapy on this microphone. I'm telling you, this is therapy to me. It, it, it helps me get out my thoughts, my feelings, my perspectives, and obviously to someone, to some people out there, it is somewhat entertaining and it is somewhat, um, I, I guess, I guess appealing. <laughs> but either way, I appreciate all of you. I will be back next week. I can promise you that. I will be dropping next Saturday. What's today's day? Today is the 8th. I'm recording this on the 8th of May. So that means this episode is going to drop tomorrow on the 9th, today for you. So next week on the 16th, you will see another episode from My Name is Daryl right there on your Spotify, on your Apple Music, on your on uh, on on whatever app you use, you will see it, and I will be here, and I will be talking about whatever's on my mind and saying whatever's on my mind. Until then, remember, mental health is just as important as physical health. Water your melanin, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. That's the end of the podcast. Have a good day. Bye.